You're playing well. Huh? So tell me what happened with the – what was going on with all the concussion talks? Your head all right? Yeah, it's all good now, yeah. Just had a concussion and needed some time. Just like a headache for probably 10 days I had a headache. So then I had to let that go away and then I could start like progressing back. So I missed like two weeks. So you feel, You're feeling good now though? Yeah, I feel totally fine now. Were you dizzy or anything or was it just a bad headache? Uh, I was dizzy for like 20 minutes one morning. Just woke up like spinning. It was so weird. Like the night there, the morning after it happened. It was crazy. Like couldn't it's, stand up. It's been a minute since you've been on the show, Will. You, your Your career mm-hmm. has progressed quite rapidly since I think that was I think that was COVID year that yeah, we were together. Was, yeah, twenty twenty, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's happened so fast. Huh? I mean, now you're the everyday starter. You're hitting bombs. You're in the World Baseball Classic. You're a face of the Dodgers. You're a fan favorite. Have you had to? Is it sometimes you got to stop and pump the brakes and take some deep breaths and, and and like let it slow down for you because you know this this game the 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 the, the secret of this game is getting it to slow down for you and being able to see it on a bigger spectrum and see the ball bigger and, you know, all of those theories. Have you been able to do that and, and, and slow it down? Yeah. You know, I think that more happens in the off season, I would say, um, you know, while during the season, you're just, you know, day after day, you're just, you know, trying to help the team win, you know, put together at bats, you know, you're trying to help the pitchers every day. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, in the off season, you kind of reflect a little more, um, kind of realize what you've done i guess what i've done uh but you know it also just you know motivates you to keep going so so i try to do is just get better every day just a little bit and uh you know help the team win what is your build right now will what what, what is your height and weight at this point in your career uh still same height six foot maybe a little less uh and then i'm anywhere from 200 to 205 uh it just kind of fluctuates between there and that's that's kind of a healthy playing weight for me uh, that I try to stay around. What was your what were, when you came out in the draft in Louisville? What were your, what were your dimensions? I think I was like 195 pounds. So since then, I put on five ten pounds. Um, you know, just a little bit leaner, uh, a little more muscle and stuff to carry you through a season. You know, it's a long season, so you know I got to make sure I'm you know in, in top shape to you know to last the whole year. Yeah, 162 games even before playoffs. I mean, that's a – and you're catching, so the wear and tear on your body is doubled as opposed to most of the other position players. Mm-hmm. I would I would think that. I mean, you got to you gotta really be have some strong legs, strong glutes. Your knees are getting worn in and out every single day. Um, what, what has been the biggest part of the pro game in the last three years that you've really – figured out like because your swing is there i mean you're hitting the ball a long ways you're hitting it with authority has, has it been just how much faster the game is or what's the biggest the biggest changes you've made in your game um i think that's a big question i think honestly it's you know being able to make adjustments you know quicker um you know slow it down slow the game down and you know realize what adjustments i need to make uh, but i think it's also just kind of refining my you know, my routine, my, my swing, my catching and really knowing, you know, what works well with me and what doesn't, um, you know, you're just trying to stay like, I think of, you know, like your body positioning and angles and all this stuff changes, you know, just from the wear and tear of the game. And, you know, it's just trying to maintain that where, you know, I perform the best at these, at these certain, you know, restrictions or, you know, if, your hips tight, all of a sudden your swing is going to change, your catching is going to change. You're just making sure that doesn't happen. Um, I think that can cause a lot of bad habits. And then all of a sudden you're two weeks in, your swing doesn't feel right. You're not hitting well. And, you know, it's all because of that hip or, or that knee or that ankle or whatever. You know, it could be a foul tip, not even something you can control. But I think I've gotten really good at, you know, maintaining my body and, putting myself in a good position to hit, to catch every day and do it, you know, at my peak level. So I want to make sure I got this right. So it's, it's a kind of a self-discipline, right? Because there's a lot of protocol that happens before the game and it could become very easy 
you know, to look over that, to take it for granted. Oh, I feel great today. Or, Hey, I, you know, I, my swing's great. Or I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm seeing the ball good. But if you don't roll out, if you don't do all of the things your trainers and strength coaches are telling you to do on a daily basis to perform that maintenance, that's when those locked up hips and the, and the bad things start to occur. So you got to stay really disciplined. You got to, you're getting to the yard maybe three hours before game time. How does it usually go? Is there a lot of protocol? Yeah, there is. Uh, now, typically, it's probably five hours for the game at home, maybe four and a half on the road. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, you know, I listen to my trainers, you know, strength coaches, ATs. Um, you know, you're just trying to listen to your body basically before the game, you know, figure out what you need, what's tight, what needs to be loosened, what needs to be strengthened, maybe. Um, you know, I pretty much work out every day. Um, you know, days I don't play, I don't work out. But days that I play, I'm doing a little workout. And, you know, that kind of gets your body going for, for the day. But it's also all the mental stuff, too. You know, it's doing your scouting. It's doing, you know, breaking down hitters, breaking down the pitcher, watching film, just getting getting a feel for, you know, what the other team does. And, you know, being able to realize during the game and make those adjustments during the game. And that's, you know, that's what you're doing before. It's just prepping your body and, you know, preparing – your approach and you know preparing how we're going to attack their hitters do you there's there still has to be fun right like i know you do a lot of interviews i know a lot of sports reporters are asking you a lot of baseball related questions i absolutely love the game of baseball but it's also a brotherhood there's also a lot that goes into being a team and having those little nuances, if you will, of, of teammates. And you had it all through your career. I mean, in college, the D1 level you're playing in, I mean, that's one of the greatest experiences of your life. Um, how much difference, before we get into some of the fun part, how big of a difference is Major League Baseball? It's probably a dumb question, okay? <laughs> but I, I got to D1. I played D1 baseball. Yep kind of played i was not that good but i was at d1 baseball will smith how much of a difference truly is there like if i'm watching the college world series in a couple weeks it's going to be in june probably so in about a month and i'm watching these guys can swing it they're using aluminum Mm -hmm. bats they're hitting the ball a long ways there's some stud pitchers out out there that i've been watching on a few of the teams right now west virginia's looking really good there's some good teams looking good how big of a difference is it to where you're at now i think it's I think it's a huge difference honestly um you know talents very similar and i think that gap's closing a little bit just with how how much players are developed you know in high school and stuff um and what they know now compared to you know when i was in high school what what i learned and it's just you know lack of information when i kind of went through but you know i still got good coaching and all that but i think the coaching nowadays is you know incredible and there's more access to what big leaguers do um, just through, you know, Twitter videos and all this stuff. But I think the game, it's just uh, the big leagues is just a crisp game. And it's basically who messes up first, you know, if just for example, like, you know, I've got a starting pitcher on the mound and he's executing pitches and we, we know where to go on these hitters. Uh, we know how to get them out and he's you know in a rhythm, he's going. You know, there's not much the other team could do. They might dink some hits and score a couple of runs, but that's going to be about it. Where in college, that information on on the hitters is just not there, and the execution of the pitchers is not there, and the execution of the hitters' approaches is just not not the same. And I think that's where it kind of separates. It's more, you know, college you can basically overpower a team if you're better. Where the big leagues, you know, it's 30 teams that are you know, they're, they're all I can win, even the worst, the worst thing to beat the best team. It's just, it just comes down to execution and, you know, who's basically not going to mess up first. What is the pressure of the Dodgers organization like on a player like you? Um, you guys are expected to win the NL West every year. You're expected to go to the World Series. I mean, it's the Dodgers. It's one of the most cherished organizations in the history of baseball i mean it's you and the yankees right it's 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 that's the that's the most heritage organizations there are there's i mean more most cherished i'm sorry um 
Is there big time pressure to perform? I know that you put it on yourself and I know you got to find ways to breathe and relax and perform, but is it, is it tough to be in an organization that has so much history and has those expectations for their players and personnel to deliver? Uh, I mean, yes, you know, there's definitely an expectation every year that, you know, our goal every year is to win a world series. Um, and there's, there's that expectation expectation and that's, that's known in the clubhouse. Um, but I think we do a really good job of, you know, kind of staying in the moment, you know, right now it's May 22nd, 23rd, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, we're just focused on today. And I think we do a really good job of just focusing on the game that day. Um, you know, the coaching staff has to look more in advance. The front office has to, you know, kind of line things up, uh, like roster moves wise and all that. But the players do a really good job just focusing on the game that day. And I think when you do that, that small picture, that little, the little time instead of, oh, we got to win, you know, 110 games this year, whatever it is. Um, no, we just have to win today. And the more you can do that over 162, I think that just puts us in a good spot, you know, to do that year in and year out. Is it, is it hard? Let, let me ask you this in a, in a scientific way. They say that hitting a baseball has scientifically been proven to be the toughest thing to do in sports. Hitting a round object with a round object, coming at that speed from that distance, changing planes, is it hard, Will, for you? Is it? I mean, these pitchers that I watch you face blow my mind. Like, I've stepped in against some major league arms, and I can barely get the bat started, let alone put the sweet part of the bat on the baseball and hit hit mm-hmm. a round object square, which is kind of weird, but that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Will, talk to me a little bit about the, the, real, the realistic part of the, this ball coming from 60 feet, six <laughs> inches away. Like, is it like, talk to me, Will, you're laughing, but it's so hard. These guys are throwing yeah. 99 miles an hour and then they're breaking you off. I was at a triple A game the night before last and this uh, prospect for the Diamondbacks was throwing 99 with a 91 mile an hour slider. And I was sitting behind home plate, four rows up and I'm like, there's no way I could ever, ever touch that ball. Like that's, that's insane. The reaction time is absolutely almost impossible. How, how are you reacting? Will, and do you get intimidated? Does something just wow you from the plate? I know you're catching these guys also so that you, you kind of have an advantage because you've seen it all from your position, but do you ever go, Holy geez, like, like that, that, that ball, like how, talk to me about how difficult just the art of hitting is. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, yeah, there are times I'm I had no chance. Like, I don't know what <laughs> I was doing up there. Like, they just completely they got me. You know, but I think it's flipping that mindset to all right. Next at bat, I got him. Like, I'm ready. But just hit. I mean, the reaction time, yes. But that's I think that's where your approach comes in. You know, like you take that guy that's throwing 99 and the 91 mile hour sliders, like you're only looking in a certain zone and whether that's up, whether that's down, whether that's in or out. And that's how I decide if I'm going to swing. If it starts here, I'm going to swing. You know, I can kind of cover both pitches. You know, I might be a little late on the heater. It goes to right field, but I'm going to hit the slider, you know, to left center. And you're trying to cover and kind of both, but you're on time. And, you know, if it doesn't start in that location, just take it. It's probably either going to be a ball or, it's not a good pitch to hit. It's a pitcher's pitch. And so it's coming up with these approaches and these approaches change all the time, depending on the pitcher, the situation, but that's how you kind of, you know, navigate which pitches to swing at and how to make your decision. It's not like you're up there blind and all right, I might swing, might not, then you're out. As soon as you start doing that, you're out. So it's, it's swinging every time. If it starts here, if it doesn't just take, um, you know, I think us as a team does that really well. And that's why we have a lot of success and walk and don't chase and don't swing and miss a ton is because we swing at the right pitches. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many instances where I'm just, I don't know what to do. I can't do that. And there's also times where you're thinking that and all of a sudden you rope a double in the gap and you're like, I, I don't know what just happened. I just hit it. Like I have no idea how that happened. 
I want to protect my eyes. And that's exactly where one of our badass partners comes in. Oakley, Oakley Eyewear, the Oakley culture, the Oakley lifestyle. Protect your vision when you're shooting, when you're fishing. Nothing worse than getting a hook in the eye with somebody casting on the same boat. You just can't take it for granted. The damage the sun can cause, the rays, the UV, just keeping the dust and the dirt out of your eyes. Just everything during a hunt, pit blind, boat blind. It doesn't matter. Sun up. They make different lenses for different skies. Oakley standard issue. I just love the entire story and culture of Oakley Eyewear. They're iconic. They're sold all over the world and they support the military and the blue line and conservation and hunting and fishing in the outdoors and living off the land. But when I'm shooting consistently on this trap range or the sporting clays or the skeet or the five stand, or I'm in a duck hunt or a goose hunt, I have my Oakleys with me at all time. I put them in my banded backpack. I have them in an Oakley hard case. I keep them protected. The prism lenses, everything that goes in to the technology behind the Oakley brand and the frames, the function of them, all of the different lenses that you can get and the way they protect our eyes. The technology is second to none. You got to get a pair of Oakleys. I know there's a lot of choices out there when you want to protect your eyes. There's a lot of choices when it comes to being a customer of a eyewear company. But remember, please support the brands that support this lifestyle. Oakley, the official eyewear of the Foul Life TV, the Foul Life podcast, and everything we do here at the provider and where the payment ends. Thank you so much for supporting Oakley. If you had, if you got a guy on the bump and he's pitching fastballs, sliders, changeups, curveballs, like if he's throwing 10 of each in a row, if he's throwing 10 fastballs and then he's going to go, okay, well, I'm going to throw my curveball now. I, and then I'm going to throw my chip. Of course, you're going to be able to sit up there and go, all right, I got this. And you just can adjust mm-hmm. to it. What is the absolute hardest pitch to adjust to? And it's probably another premature question. And you could, and you're going to say, well, it just depends. I'm sitting fastball. I'm assuming you're sitting fastball on most of these arms in the major leagues. What is the hardest pitch to adjust to with seeing it out of the pitcher's hand and being able to stay back, hit the ball where it's pitched and hit it square again? Is there a pitch that's the hardest to consistently mm-hmm. adjust to? Um, I wouldn't say there's a certain pitch. I think it's different for each guy, but I think the the thing that makes it hard is this velocity. The harder a guy's throwing, that's the difference maker. You know, a guy throwing 92 versus a guy throwing 99, hundred, like the ability to adjust off of a hundred is a lot harder than it is to adjust 92 to 82. If that makes sense, you know, that it's just, there's less time. And, you know, you got to be swinging a little bit earlier maybe to catch up. And then they snap the slider off and then you're on top. You roll over, you're out, grumble out. Um, But, you know, like sometimes guys are throwing 95-mile-an-hour fastballs and 75-mile-an-hour curveball. I mean, that's a 20-mile-an-hour difference, but, you know, it might pop. So it's really how your eyes perceive these pitches and how well you see them. I think that's how – that determines if you can adjust to it or not. It's, it's not the, it just, and that's, that's different for each guy. Like I might see a guy differently than Freddie Freeman does or Mookie does. Um, you know, Mookie might come back, man, that guy was trash. Like we got him all night and I go up there and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I'm just going to try to move the ball forward, help the team and, you know, get out of there. Keep it simple. Is the changeup a difficult pitch to hit? Where I, I'm, I'm trying to go with the arm action and the release point and the spin of the ball, the rotation of the ball, but it's a sometimes a 15 mile an hour difference from the heater. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. this is the pitch that I always had an issue hitting. Mm-hmm. I I could pick up the spin and the dot of a slider if my hands were right and I was judging it right. I could get on the fastball. But I always had issues with the changeup. Is the changeup a difficult pitch to hit, and why? It is if if the pitcher sells it. You know, if like there's all sorts of times where you know they're it just looks different out of their hand. Whether that's their wrist angle, whether that's the spin of the ball, whether that's uh, you know they might slow down on the changeup compared to their heater, and. You know, if you can pick something up and, you know, make your decision a millisecond sooner, like, then it's a little bit easier to hit. But a good changeup, yeah, that's that's a tough one because it looks like a heater the whole time, and then all of a sudden you swing, and it's just you're early. You're not – it's – you're going to – you're being swinging over it. 
Yeah, I've just it's, it just seems like that would be the most difficult pitch to hit in baseball because you're you're an athlete, you're going to be able to adjust to a 99 mile an hour fastball and get it going, even though that's difficult. But you're you've been taught to hit a fastball your whole life, and then all of a sudden this pitch just comes in that falls off, but looks like a fastball. That to me seems very difficult. You brought up Freddie Freeman coming over from the city that you're joining us from today, the Atlanta Braves. You guys get Freddie Freeman. Does he have any holes in his swing? I can't figure his swing out. Like it is like. The stuff he does with an inside fastball, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Griffey could do this, Bonds could do this with an inside fastball a lot and just turn on it. It's got to be something with the mechanics of this man's swing that allow him to consistently perform. I just can't find a hole in it. I broken it down. I put it in slow motion with my brothers. I'm like, it's not the most textbook looking swing, but it's like, it's like there's no imperfect part of it like what are the talks around the dugout do, do people say like what what's going on like that there's no holes in it what, what's the talk about freddie freeman's swing yeah he's impressive you know hitting 300 plus a year in year out driving guys in he's just a doubles machine hits homers like it's impressive it's fun to watch you know i hit right behind us when the on deck circle every time but it's impressive and I mean, he can hit every single pitch. It's more you got to fool him to get him out, I guess. That's that's the only way I know how I figure, you know, facing him. But, uh, I mean, if he's if he's locked in, there's nobody getting him out. Nobody, huh? No. It's it's crazy how what his swing is like. And you are you get to watch it from the on-deck circle. What What is your goal as a hitter, Will? Because, you know, historically the catcher position has always been like, hey, as long as you're a good backstop, mm-hmm. you're there. You know, in today's game, you got to produce. You're you you are a hitting machine, though. Also, so what are you? What is your goal? Give me some of Will Smith's goals of on the offensive side of the plate because defense is important. You're not just mm-hmm. stopping the ball from going to the backstop. You're calling the game. You're working with the pitching coach, the manager. You're working with a lot of different personalities from the starter to the mid relief, middle relief to the closer. A lot of different things go on between that communication of the pitcher and catcher and the catcher and the organization. Then you're running the bunt defense, third base, first base, infield in. You're calling all of these different defenses. You got to be on your A game on defense. But then you got to turn around, go in the dugout, take your shin guards off and your chest protector, and grab the stick. What are your goals as a hitter? And I and I, and I mean that in a way. Of course, you could be like, "Well, I want to be a forty forty man. I want to be this." But realistically, what are your goals? Because you have an, an absolutely beautiful swing as well. So, do you have these? Do you have this these hopes and dreams of being like a winning a batting title and the silver slugger and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, for sure. But I mean, to me, it's more. I I take more pride in you know each individual at bat. It's it's not throwing at bats away. We threw up ten runs. Like your spot comes up again, it's not you know cashing in. Let's get the game over. Like those at bats still matter, and you're still trying to do something. So to me, it's it's you know taking advantage of every single time I get out the plate, not throwing any away. And to me, I just try to swing at the right pitches. You know, I come up with an approach. Um, you know, I'm looking at a certain zone, and then if it's there, I'm swinging. And I'm trying to do some damage on it sometimes. Uh, but it's also, you know, knowing the situation, knowing the game. Um, if it's man on third, I'm trying to get the job done. You know, get him in however I need to. Man on second, get him to third. Um, you know, whatever the game calls for. It might be, you know, the starter had a long inning, and I might have to go take a pitch, sometimes even two pitches. Like, I'm comfortable hitting with two strikes. Um just because I know I'm not going to swing and miss a lot. I'm not going to chase a lot. So there's there's times where where I have to do that, and I just got to suck it up. Um, but I know if I can do that for 162 games, you know, five, 600 at-bats, however many I get, you know, I'm going to be in a pretty good spot. And the numbers should be good. I'm not trying to hit 300, not trying to drive in 100. Yeah, you want to do all those things, but – you know, I just I I really just go one at bat at a time and try to swing at the right pitches. How does this parlay <laughs> into your the 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 portfolio you put together? Teach the audience, if you don't mind, Will Smith, about 
what are the steps in your contract right now? Are you getting ready to be a free agent? Are you getting ready to go into negotiations with an organization that you so dearly love? How does it work when you have these goals every day of, of taking one at bat at a time, being the team leader on the field? How does it work now with you having four or five years in the league? Are you getting ready for those kinds of discussions, those kinds of talks that we hear about that get reported on? Uh, and how much does that play in Will Smith's psyche of the, the the ideology that you can set yourself up for the rest of your life in this game? Mm-hmm. Many individuals have done it. A guy that you're going to play against today, the starting third baseman for the Braves, just did it last year. He's a good friend of ours. He comes on the show, very humble, one of mm-hmm. the nicest guys, loves the outdoors, Austin Riley. How does that play in Will Smith's head? And how does it happen? Like, are you are you thinking about that a lot that, man, if I do my job, I could really set myself up for the rest of my life. And and what are the next steps in that process for you personally? Yeah, I mean, during the year, I don't think about that stuff much at all. Um, you know, occasionally, you know, you're having conversations with your agent and stuff like that. But I try to limit that stuff to the off season, you know. And then when it's season, it's just baseball. Um, you know, this off season, there are definitely a lot more talks because I hit – you know, my first year arbitration. And for those that don't know, like baseball is, you know, six ser- six full service years of big league time is when you hit free agency. So you have three years, basically at league minimum, and three years of what they call arbitration. You go through that process. Um, so, you know, this year is a lot of conversations with my agent and the team back and forth, all that stuff, you know, negotiating my contract and then we'll have to do it again next year. Um, but no, I'm not a free agent for two more years after this year. So that still seems pretty far out to me, but uh, no, I mean, that's, I keep all that in the off season. And then once the season starts, it's, it's baseball and it's just focusing on, you know, performing. Arbitration means that after your first three years of league minimum, your agent can go in and say, Hey, he had three pretty good years. He's consistent. His, his, his outlook is here. His ceiling is here. We're going to go after a one year deal at this much. And then you got to renegotiate that arbitration deal each year. Or can you sign a three year arbitration deal? Or can you only sign a multi-year deal in free agency? No, you can sign, you can sign a multi-year deal whenever Um, you can sign I could, could have signed, I guess, three years to cover arbitration. Um, however that works out, or two years, or just one year. Um, but basically, they just compare you to, for me, past catchers. You know, what they were paid their same year, their first arbitration year. And you're just comparing yourself to other players and what they they got. And you're usually in between two guys. And that's how they come up with that number. That's how they come up with arbitration. The fun part of the game, Will Smith, um, is there smack talking? Is there is there grab assing? I guess it's kind of like the word, for lack of better terms. Um, you guys down there talking smack to each other, having fun in the dugout um, with the Dodgers. And then is there smack talking with other teams? Is there an unbelievable amount of respect between major league ball clubs? We've seen the rivals, you know. We've seen the mm-hmm. the brawls with Boston and New York. We've seen the all of the different rivals, you guys and the Giants. I mean, there's been some heated heated exchanges in the past, but what is it like in today's game? Um is it is there a lot of talk on the field that the the everyday fan probably doesn't get a grasp of? Oh, yeah, there is. It's more, you know, chirping from the dugout. Um, you know, maybe on the base of somebody saying something, but not not a ton. Uh, it's more from the dugout, like, you know, the pitcher, the hitter, whatever it may be. But, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, in the dugout, we're having fun with each other. We're talking crap to each other in the clubhouse before, after the game, during the game. You know, just keeping the keeping the vibes light, basically, having fun. And, you know, making fun of each other and calling each other out for stuff, maybe. But, uh, you know, it's – yeah, there is. It's fun and, uh, you know, it's part of it. What are some of the fines for the Dodgers? Do you guys have a player courthouse to where if you show up in the dugout and one of your back pockets is out and Mookie says, Will, you got $50, mm-hmm. put it in the bank. Like, are there, are there, is there a bank of money that, that is in the Dodgers players courthouse that you guys are calling each other out on at all? Is there any fines at all between you guys? No, we don't do that. No. You don't do that in the Dodgers? No, there's a lot more like that's going on, I would say. 
bet. So, no. so is there a ping pong table that you could pick up a racket at any given time and, and, and smack and, and just smack anybody like Mookie Betts could get up there? Could you compete with Mookie in ping pong? No, he's pretty good. We have one in spring training. That's it. We don't have one in L.A. Um, but is that because of potential injury of turning an ankle or something? Is there is there is ping pong looked down upon during the season? I don't know. I don't think I don't think so. We just don't. I don't know. We just don't have one. Uh, what do you guys have? Poker? Yeah, what there's a lot of cards going on. Card games. Um, you know, on the plane in the clubhouse. All sorts of card games. Poker, blackjack. Uh, you know, spades is going on sometimes. There's tons of games guys are playing, whether it's two guys or six guys playing a game. Um, you know, and then who knows what else they're betting on. I don't even know. Just random stuff. Like, nothing bad, but it's all good. Just a lot of betting going on. So not not a lot of competitiveness, pickup games on the basketball court. Like, you guys oh, can't – there are times to go on the road. Yeah. Guys will go to the basketball gym, shoot, and you know, then they're talking crap about who's the best basketball player for the next week or whatever it may be, or we'll go out and golf. And you know, then it's always who's the best golfer. Who's is your game getting better, Will? Not right now. We had a baby in the offseason, so I hadn't been playing much, but I'm trying to play a little more. Congratulations. What's the baby's name? Uh Charlotte, little girl. Oh, you're in for it, buddy. You're in oh, for yeah. it. it's the greatest trust me i'm a girl dad Mm -hmm. you get to make that drive up that hill to chavez ravine dodger stadium Mm -hmm. like you've seen bird's eye views from the goodyear blimp of this place it's beautiful what a baseball setting there's a lot of cool baseball settings do any of them do any of them turn you on will that get your psyche going like when you were a kid when it when i was a kid i wanted to play in rosenblatt so bad the old rosenblatt stadium Mm -hmm. the old the old omaha stadium um I also wanted to be in the major leagues. Then I would see like the Durham Bulls and I'd want to go there and see that stadium. Um, mm-hmm. Do you get fired up for the, for the, the locale still? Are there other stadiums that you get jacked up to play in or is it just another baseball field to you at this point? No, you definitely do. You like, I like going to different cities. Um, there's definitely certain cities you'd like more. Uh, you like playing at these ones more or less and some you just don't like going to at all. Um but yeah, I mean Dodger Stadium is is special. You know, it's got the history. It's huge. It's you know they have the sunset every night, so it's pretty. Like the mountains in the background. Like, I mean, I'm biased obviously because I play for the Dodgers. But in my opinion, that's that's number one for me is you know Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I think it's it is really beautiful. Like, here's I, I've, I've visited. My daughter got me this Father's Day gift last year of it's a keychain and it comes with every stadium a little a little um token that you take and you put on the keychain for every stadium you visit and i have 12 left to visit um and i I love going to major league baseball stadiums Mm -hmm. to be able to walk into a stadium after you get Mm -hmm. off the escalator the front entrance and you out in the first view of the yard I don't know if I don't like I I get to see Mallard Ducks. I get to see a lot of things cool in Mother Nature. But that part of my psyche will never, ever be lessened. Like at at this age, in my mid 40s, I still get I can't imagine getting to be you. Like I'm so envious that you get to walk into the yard every day and Mm -hmm. smell those smells and hear those sounds and and see those sights. It's like, is there anything better in life besides your baby i get that but that that whole idea of the yard man what a what a gift it is for you to be able to do this at this level like congratulations on that but what a gift it is i hope that people understand that that this is something that is not taken for granted this is cherished right this this mm-hmm. idea of playing mm-hmm. america's pastime is cherished what does it mean to you will it's not just a livelihood it's not just a paycheck this is still a boy's game to you right just i mean you are young how old are you will 28 now eight or 10 years ago you were playing high school baseball mm-hmm. like it's it's not gonna it's this this feeling and the love of the game doesn't leave you just because it becomes a paycheck does it no no i don't think so you still you know it still hits you sometimes you know usually for me it's when honestly when i'm not in the game you know, you're in the dugout and 
the seventh inning stretch comes around, that's when it hits me the most. You know, the whole crowd's into it. They're all singing, especially when it's packed or, you know, it's that's that's when it usually hits me. It's like, wow, okay, I'm at another big league game. Like, how am I still – like, you know, it hits you. Um, you know, how am I lucky to be here, basically? But, uh, yeah, no, I still I still enjoy coming to the park every day, you know, being around the guys, competing, playing – you know, you're just playing baseball. It's, you know, it takes you back to when you're playing little league, like you're just trying to win a game. You're having fun. And it's, you know, I still have a lot of fun playing. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, how could you not? What, what a, a way to make a living. What, what are the, some of the records, Will Smith, that you, I'm going to ask you a couple records and I want your opinion of being on the field every day. Mm-hmm. If these will be broken in today's game. Mm-hmm. Maybe the future of the game. I mean, you still have fifty a catcher. Mm-hmm. Maybe you probably have fifteen years left in your career. Maybe more. I don't know. But a catcher—that's a lot of squats, bro. That's maybe a lot. ten years. It's a lot. 15, maybe ten more. Well, 10 or 12, you, might, you might go to first base. You <laughs> might be a little short for first base. But they got to find a way to keep your stick in the in the lineup, bro. Yeah. Ricky Henderson's stolen mm-hmm. base record. Does it ever get broken? It. I think it's one hundred and twenty-eight bags in one season. One hundred twenty-eight. Oof. I'd say, I think it's, uh, I'd say there's a chance. I'd say there's a chance at that one. Yeah. That part of the game will come back. There's a chance at 128 bags. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say Pete, so. Yeah. Pete Rose's overall hit record of 4,200. I don't know all the numbers exactly, but it's no. right around 4,200. I don't, I don't think that one will, honestly. Asterisk air doesn't matter. Overall home runs. Do we see somebody get past Barry Bonds? I would say eventually. It might take another 20, 30, 40 years, but I think someone could do it. Here's a big one. Cal Ripken's Iron Man Award. 2,000-something games played in a row without sitting out. No. The, the teams don't – the organizations don't even allow this really anymore, do they? No. There's such a you know, such a benefit to rest and recovery. And, I mean, maybe a guy like Freddie Freeman, right? Like he plays every day. He plays 161, 162 every single year. But, you know, for to avoid injury, to avoid all that for 20-plus years, like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Nolan Ryan's strikeout record, over 5,000 Ks. Is there? There's some good pitchers in the game. But with today's game, do you see that being broken? No, same, same reason. They're not letting guys – go that long into games you know especially teams that want to you know compete for a world series they're they want guys crisp not worn out for the playoffs and you know i think that's a big part of why you know there's some pitch limits just so they're not getting hurt not blown out you've heard us talking about how much we travel our trailers our trucks corning ford mickey thompson tires bodyguard bumpers we have a leer on every one of our rigs f-150s f-250s f-350s there's some other trucks out there by other manufacturers we don't mention those we believe in ford and we believe in lear we believe in security protection from the elements the rain the snow the hail security for our dogs our kennels anchored down in our truck bed covered by the lear windows open for breathability and oxygen and air we believe in making sure that when we stop at a hotel or a lodge that that Lear is locked, side windows that could pop up and for easy access, the back window, the tailgate down, everything is locked. There's so many different levels of security with your Lear. It's all prompted by your door locks and the electrical system in your trucks today. Uh, you can unlock the door so easy. You can lock the door so easy. They come with backup keys to make sure that your side windows are locked, that your that your tailgate window and, and door hatch is locked. And then the Lear locker, we haven't even mentioned that. Push both buttons in, slide it down. Tailgate has to be up. And we have another form of security for firearms, for ammunition, for valuables. It protects our camera gear as we travel America. And that Lear logo is kind of like being part of a Harley Davidson clan. You see so many more Lears on the road once you have it on your truck. And it's like a brotherhood, a sisterhood. I don't care if you're man, woman, boy, girl. I don't care if you just got your driver's license, your hunting license. There's so much pride in that Lear brand. Capital L, capital E, capital E, capital R. Lear toppers. Check them out. We are so proud and honored to be partnered with Lear, and we never, ever take a trip without making sure that our trucks are loaded down and protected 
full security by Lear Toppers. I'm Chad Belding, the host of the Foul Life TV and the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support us. Thank you for having a Lear on your next truck. Baseball's a really traditional game, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. This year, there's been some major, major changes in some rules. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the shift. We're talking about the pitcher's clock. Talk to me. Tell me the rules. I believe there's three total that were put into effect and voted into the game as regulatory now. And at first, were you like, oh, man, this is going to suck? And have you learned to accept it? A lot of guys seem to like it. I mean, a lot of the average games are two and a half hours now. Is the game changed or was it for the better? Um, I think, you know, for us, it's nicer getting out in two and a half hours. You know, it's not three and a half hour games every night. Um, it is a little weird. I would still say, you know, there's a clock, you know, there's never been any time limits on baseball. Um, I think that was one of the beautiful things about baseball was, you know, it's, you gotta get 27 outs for the game to end, you know, on both sides. And, you know, now it kind of forces action, which is fine. Um, but then the bigger bases, I mean, I don't think that affects much. Maybe, maybe a few more stolen bases encourages a little more. The only one I don't like is the, uh, is the pickoff limits. Um, you know, you can only try to pick a guy off twice. And then if you pick him off a third time, but you don't get him out, then he's just awarded second base or he's awarded third base. Um, to me, that one's a little weird cause it's giving, you know, it's giving away something for free basically. Um, if you don't get them out. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's it's a rule now. So, you know, every team has to deal with it and, you know, adapt to it. So you're saying that if I get a single and I'm on first base and I take my lead and my secondary lead, before I take my secondary lead and I'm the pitcher picks me off, but I get back in there, that's one. He one. tries it again. The crowd's booing, obviously, because we're on the road. The defense is on the road. I'm safe again. He can't pick off again. He or, I get it, or I go to scoring position. Yep, exactly. Wow, that is completely taking a strategy of the game completely out of it. Like, that's a strategy of keeping a man close to, <laughs> keeping a man close to first base, keeping him in, in double play form, making sure yep. that he's not trying to steal the bag. Yep. And now oh, that's a weird one. too. The runners, you know, the runner can see the clock too in some, most stadiums. You know, the one by the dugout or behind home plate, they can see that. And, you know, sometimes it's clicking down three, two, and they just take off because they're, you know, they know a pitch has to be thrown in two seconds. They shuffle and are gone. And that's like, you know, it's part of it, but it's like there's never been that opportunity to know, to have an idea and then like a mandatory, he's going to have to throw a pitch by this time. Yeah, and as a catcher, it doesn't matter if it's on the pitcher or you. You don't want anybody stealing a base when you're behind the dish. Exactly. Like that's your that's your job. What is your yep. time? What is your time? Your best time ever, Will Smith, mm-hmm. from home plate to second base? It's probably in the one seven seconds. Dang it! Seven, yeah. It used to be. It used to have to be maybe sub two. Mm-hmm. In the major leagues, correct me if I'm wrong, but one seven, like, I mean, I know you're a humble cat, bro, but is that one of the best in the major leagues? Probably, yeah. I think probably averaging one nine something, I would think, maybe a little is less. The, you? Yeah. But your best is about one seven. How many guys have you thrown out from the knees? A couple, not, uh, yeah, a few. Is Benito Santiago? Years ago. Is Benito Santiago the best of all time at that? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Not he many was, guys do it anymore. Why not? What's the what's the problem with that? I don't know. I think guys are more athletic now where they can get to their feet and make a better, stronger, more accurate throw. I, I see some guys get into a different kind of a crouch in the catcher position. Why do some catchers put one leg out? and drop one leg and do things. Why don't they stay in just a traditional crouch? Is it comfort or do they think they can get up quicker that way? I think it's comfort. I think a lot of times it's easier. It's easier to be in a position to block. Um, they're a little lower to the ground. Um, you know, you see guys block it a lot from one leg out. Um, but I think it's, it's mainly a way to get under the low pitch a little better, a little easier, get more call strikes at the bottom. 
that's the idea behind it. Um, some guys are good at doing it. I, I can't do that. I don't know. My hips don't move that way, but I've also never really tried it that much, but yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, techniques and ways and it's all, you know, how your body moves best. It's not, there's no more of that. Oh, you're not, you're not up like your knees, your two knees are up basically like you're lazy. If one knees down, like there's no more of that. It's, you know, do it, do what puts your body in the best position to catch, to throw, to block and, uh, and do it all. So is it up to you or will a coach try to change that based on strategy? Uh, it's, it's mainly up to me. You know, I think I came up with my technique and system and all I do through coaches, talking to coaches, talking to other players, um, and trying different stuff. Um, like I go down to a left knee a lot of the time. Um, nobody on, I start with one down maybe most of the time, but nobody on, like it's more of a timing thing. And it's almost like a half block every single pitch where I'm almost cheating to block and I'm still catching. And then it's just, I can react quicker to a ball in the dirt and actually block better that my left knees down. And it's like a timing thing for me. Who has the greatest walkout song on the Los Angeles Dodgers at this point in your career? Will that, that, that matches his personality the best. And you just know that, that this is the perfect song for this individual. Does this, do you ever think, do players ever think like this or is it just me being a baseball nerd? Like, like, Uh is that a big, is that a big part of your psyche having the right song? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I know like I enjoy mine, what I've made, you know, picked the last few years. My wife picks it actually. I, I'm not a big music person. I love listening to music, but I don't know all the songs and all that stuff. But your wife (laughs) wouldn't come to you and be like, you have to have. Oh no, I gotta approve it. I gotta So like you wouldn't approve parents just don't understand, right? Because you're in Hollywood. (laughs) Will Smith is like you couldn't use a Will Smith song this year for what he did to Chris Rock. Like he's on the he's a little bit not very popular right now. So like how how does your wife pick a song to you and how do you approve it? Like, do you do you go with heavy metal? Do you go with 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 something that came off the sunset strip that's like relatable to Los Angeles? Because I would be all about Motley Crue. Kickstart mm-hmm. my heart. That's a Los Angeles band. Or I would be Welcome to the Jungle or something with Axl Rose because that's a Sunset yep. Strip band. I would relate it to Los Angeles. Is that kind of stuff, you know, it, it talked about yeah. when you're picking a song? Yeah, I think so a little bit. But I think it's more just this the song, the vibe it gives and all that. Um, you know, if I like it, basically. So so which which one do you think what player do you like go oh yeah that one's perfect for him is freddie's song does mookie betts have a song to where you're like yeah it's pretty much mookie like that fits him perfect i don't even pay attention to him honestly. you don't pay attention to him i know like freddie i know it's his son picked it out and it's uh it's actually a latino song um uh, so it doesn't really fit him but you know it's one of the more popular ones that you hear all the time but like his son picked it out so you know that's given him reminder of the sun or whatever it is that he likes about it. Um, I said, Gavin Lux usually has a good song. He's super into music. Um, who else? Who else? I don't even know. Like, well, Mookie's got to be into music, right? Yeah, he definitely is. I couldn't tell you what his song was. I don't know. Knowing him, he probably plays every instrument perfectly. Yeah, right. Does everything so well. I don't even know what his song is, honestly. I have no idea. Do you know any around the league that gets you when you hear him? Or do you even pay attention when you're out there on the, when you're out there behind the dish? Does do you I like mean, oh. I know a guy that you you know Charlie Blackman. Oh, um, yeah. his but his is probably tough this year with the clock coming to the plate cuz he would wait a little bit for uh you know the crowd was all singing tonight and uh Oh, what's the song? Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but he would wait for it and the crowd would all get into it. So like that, when the crowd's into it like that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. The Rockies are Hmm. struggling. Yeah. How hard is it for a player psyche to, you made a comment 20 minutes ago about you could be up 10 to nothing. We don't just want to get the game over. Those at-bats mean something. How Hmm. hard is it on the psyche when you're in the cellar two months into the season and you're double digits in the season. I know you want to fight back, mm-hmm. but the outlook's not really crisp. Um, 
I thought the Charlie Blackman's walkout song was Crazy Train. No. It's not Ozzy? Not anymore, no. It's, uh, it used to be Crazy Train. Did he? Uh, wait a minute. I just saw him play last uh, summer. Oh, I'll get back to my question in a minute. Charlie Blackman. God, I love, I love Chuck Nasty. Is it Neil Diamond? Or you're saying the crowd gets into – is it like that now? No, it's uh, – It better not be Nickelback. No, I cure the song, but I can't – I don't know the words. Your love, your love. Yeah, they all sing tonight, tonight. Yeah, like when the tonight lyric comes tonight, up. Tonight, tonight, tonight. That one. That's no, no, not that one. I guess I got to, uh, I got to research this. Your love by the outfield. Yeah, is the is the name of the song. Okay, yep, I got, I, I, I got to get that. I, I should know that. So you'll know it. Is it hard? Would it be hard? Like you're in the cellar. The outlook's not good. You don't have a lot of prospects on your team. I mean, like like playing for the Oakland A's. Like there's just an yeah. announcement that they're moving to Vegas. These poor guys, they're out there playing in front of 3,000 people in a 60,000-seat football stadium pretty much is the Oakland Alameda Stadium. How hard is that? Is it hard to get fired up every day? Or is it like, hey, there's still hope for tomorrow. I got to keep playing because I might get traded. The deadline's coming up. I might go to a contender. I might get a better contract. I can't just, you can't just give up, right? Yeah. I, no, I know they're definitely coming out every night trying to win a ball game. Um, you know, I've never been in that situation. You know, I've been fortunate to be with the Dodgers and we're, you know, pretty good year in, year out. Um, but I think what happens with those teams is guys, you know, it kind of becomes a little bit selfish. Guys are playing for their own numbers. You know, I'm tr- playing to get traded. I'm playing for my contract whatever it may be and like i like just speaking like i I haven't been in it so i don't know but like that's not a clubhouse that's very fun you know like ours guys are pulling for each other guys want to win they're they're rooting for we're rooting for our teammate and you know we want our teammates to succeed because we know that's going to help us win and that's what makes it a lot of fun yeah i think that that you're in an advantage of being in a clubhouse. I think, I think that, you know, it, it all comes down to the business of baseball. You know, back in the day, you would hear things like, I hate the Yankees because they just buy every player. What is the thought about that in baseball, Will Smith? I mean, it's a business. If you have an ownership group that runs a better business than an ownership group over here, this isn't a participation award. This is a down business. This is... We're selling merch, we're selling beers, we're selling popcorn and peanuts and Dodger dogs, which are under are way overrated, okay? I ain't going to lie to you, Will Smith. I'm sorry if that insults you, but I don't understand the mystique of the Dodger dog <laughs> at all. But we got to fill these, this stadium. Mm-hmm. We want people there in, in spring training. We want revenue. We want the best players to fill the seats, to sell the jersey with the word Smith on the back and the number mm-hmm. and Freeman and Betts and all of them and Kershaw. We got a great ownership group. We got great businessmen. We've got great entrepreneurial spirit. What is the outlook on that? It's not supposed to be fair and balanced. I know they cap it. I know there's a, there's rules uh, in there. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you're a better business, you're going to be, you're going to be able to have more revenue. You're going to have better employees. You're going to have more employees. But here's the thing about baseball. You said it. All teams have talent. The Oakland A's could beat the Dodgers on any given day if you guys aren't executing. That's Mm -hmm. just part of the game. But as far as the business goes, I think it's unfair. Do you agree that you you can't say the Dodgers are just good because they have every good player? Well, that's because they're a great business organization. They got great management. They got great ownership. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I 100%. I think... You know, the Dodgers do a really good job investing in the players. They do a really good job investing in the community. They do a really good job, you know, in making it an experience every night, every time you go to Dodger Stadium as a fan. And, you know, I've been spoiled to be a part of it, and I'm lucky to be a part of it. Um, but I think that's that's why we have a lot of success on the field is for is how the owners go about it, it is how the front office goes about it, it is – you know, the coaching staff, it is the leaders in the clubhouse, you know, as players, it's, you know, it's one common goal is to be, be world champions year in and year out. And, you know, it's, it's also the off field stuff that gets the community involved, gets the fans involved. 
um, that the Dodgers do an excellent job at. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's so when when you well, let me ask you this: Have you got to meet Magic Johnson? Uh, yeah, I just like met him real quick. Said hi. Um, he's around occasionally. What is what has been that? Do you have you had that? Excuse my French. That oh shit moment. Like you turn around in the clubhouse and Slash is standing there with his guitar, getting ready to play the song. Like I mean, you're around Hollywood. You're around movie stars. Like I'm not saying you are personally, but that's where they live. Like, have mm-hmm. you had one of those moments to where you're like, what? Like he's really in here, like getting pictures with us? Yeah. Uh, last year, Denzel Washington came in our clubhouse. He spoke to us and stuff. So that was cool. Cause, you know, I've grown up seeing all his movies. Oh boy, he's um, awesome. Seeing, yeah, and so yeah, there's guys, there's you know athletes that's coming around, you know Lakers and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean we're there's a lot of people coming in that you never think you would meet or see or anything like that. They come down to the dugout, they throw out the first pitch. You're getting what a life! Like what a life! What an opportunity. We're going to go into the Jack Daniels hot seat with the great Will Smith, starting catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. If it's a, like a little celebration, are you reaching for a glass of red wine, a bourbon on the rocks, or a cold beer? Either a bourbon or a red wine. You're from the land of the great Cassius Clay, the Muhammad Ali. In a heavyweight title fight, who wins, Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali? I got to say Ali. Oh, Will Smith. Will Smith. (laughs) If you and your wife had the chance to own a Labrador Retriever, black, yellow, or chocolate? I got to go yellow. I had a yellow lab growing up, so I got to go yellow. If you had the chance to catch any pitcher in Major League history, have you ever thought about it and who would it be? Haven't thought about it. Um, probably uh, Mariano Rivera, greatest, greatest closer ever. Ooh, good call. Very, very good call. I like that one. <laughs> I like that. Daredevil Will Smith, would you bungee jump? No. Would you ride the world's fastest roller coaster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a roller coaster guy. Yeah, grew up on. I don't know the last time I was on a roller coaster, but yeah, I like. If the Dodgers organization came to you and said, "Hey, we're doing a publicity tour <clears throat> with the 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 great Blue Angels," we've picked you, Will Smith, to go through the Absolutely. breathing episode. Absolutely, I, I want to do. I want to do it so bad, Will. Oh, I want to go so bad in one of those things. Me too. Up, pass out. I wouldn't care. I would, I would do it. I would say, I don't care if I lose my breathing. I'll do it. Yeah. I just want to do it. I just want to be awake for like the first 40 seconds of the takeoff and the first flip. Yep, exactly. Will, Will, we appreciate you being here. I'm telling you, I'm being honest, man. I love watching you play. I love your approach. I'm I'm honored to call you a friend and get to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I um, Just keep doing it, man. It's awesome to see somebody take this game to the levels that you have in such a short amount of time. And I'm not going to lie. Like it's surprising to see how good, how much better you just keep becoming. It's a, it's a sign of your upbringing. It's a sign of your, your coachability, the way that you can soak in knowledge and you just keep getting better, man. And I, your numbers show it this year. I know that your numbers would still be the same if you didn't sit out those two weeks, just because you're down a few at bats, but I see big things for you, man. I'm a big fan, and I truly appreciate you coming on to the show. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. We're going we're gonna to come see you very soon. For sure. Let me know. Me and you are going to go uh, eat some sushi. I, I, I know that I've heard rumor that you live in my home state now, so maybe in the off season we can hang out for a minute. Hey, maybe we'll have to. We yeah, have to, man. Yeah, there's something. So. Maybe a golfing day or maybe a UFC yep. fight, or maybe go see the UFC one night. I'm in for either. Maybe I'll get you in that octagon. We'll train a little bit. (laughs) Will, hold on one sec. I'm going to say by the audience, it's been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Will Smith, can you imagine starting catcher? Can you imagine getting to start in the major leagues? It's every, every kid's dream. Bad News Bears, 
the best movie of all time is probably Major League, but come on. There's been so many great baseball movies. This is America's pastime, and getting to know people like Will and how humble they stay, getting to make their living playing this game, it just gives me goosebumps, no pun intended. It's just an awesome, awesome thing to be able to call yourself a professional baseball player. I do not know from experience, but I do know talking to enough of them that it is, and it's such a great honor to have them on the show. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for being the title sponsor. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I'm Chad Belding for Will Smith and another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. We'll talk to you guys soon. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?